I never expected a nil-nil against Brighton to generate so many talking points. Uh, welcome from the Rick Inn. Uh, my name's John. Uh, with me today is Geordie. Hello. And uh, Ollie. Hello. Uh, we are outside Vicarage Road after Watford nil, Brighton nil. There's plenty to talk about, but I think overall, Ollie, I want to say what a performance from a team. Just fantastic. Um, I've never got to the end of a nil-nil match and wanted to hug every single player coming off the pitch. They were wonderful. Yeah. We, there was an incident which we'll talk about in a minute, but that incident actually really it, it, it gave the, the, the team the opportunity to show what, who they are and what they are. It, it did for, in one sense. Yeah. It showed that they could get together and club together and grind out a result. What it, what it stopped us doing was showing how we can take a team to the cleaners. Um, we started quite strongly. Brighton started coming back into it. And then the game kind of went out the window at that point because it was about 20 minutes in. Both teams had kind of settled down. And it was a chance for us to show, well, we've been in the Premier League a couple more years. We know how to take control of this. We've got players who've got a lot to show because they're new players. We've got players who are fighting for their places, particularly after the kind of midweek aberration. But it all went out the window. And all it went was that we ended up having a gutsy performance with lots of heroism, but not, um, not a lot of quality in the, in the, in the way you would have hoped. Out of all the players that ended up on the pitch um, or weren't sent off with a red card, how many of those, Ollie, would you not give an 8 out of 10 for that performance? To be harsh on Andre Gray, perhaps I'd give him a little less than the others, but when you've got 10 men playing alone up front, it's the hardest position of all. Um, So uh, I think... You know, I can qualify that. Uh, Gomez, I, I can't remember whether he actually made any saves because I think all of their shots hit the post or went across the face of the goal. So, uh, come on, Gomez, that's lazy. You know, <laughs> you, you get a six or a seven. But it, it was fantastic. Who, um, particularly for you, Geordie, um, shone uh, this afternoon? Uh, oh, it's a good one. Because uh, it's difficult to pick out anyone who kind of was... I mean, I've... Got a soft spot for Decoro, yeah. and I think uh, when you go down to ten men, that, that that role is very important. I think cleverly was. I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Amrabat. He kind of came off at right wing to let Cathcart come on. Cathcart went off, and we brought a right winger on to replace him and put cleverly at right. I mean, Amrabat was probably thinking, "Hold on, I could have gone to right back, and it would have saved us a substitution." Perhaps, thankfully, he didn't. Uh, so I think cleverly. I think the ones in midfield. I think midfield was our weak point last season. Um, Ollie said, you know, up, up front, I mean, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with Gray. I'm not going to pick him out. I'm not going to expect anything for his transfer fee. I guess I was probably more expecting him, more from him, simply because he replaces, he's replacing Okaka, it seems. And uh, he's a player I quite like and have a soft spot for too. The defence ground it out. But apart from Knockout, uh, desperately trying to score um, and failing, uh, they weren't troubled too much. Uh, other than the chances that were hit, you know, hit the woodwork, as was discussed, and uh, how Brighton didn't score, I, I worry for them. I, I worry for them. Um, but the thing is, by the way, I, I, I didn't like the booing of Knockhart. Why boo a man who gave us the most amazing moment in our club's history? We should be applauding him for being such an idiot. For his... Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was the, the finest moment of my life, yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, thank you, Anthony Knockhart. The, the player who stood out for me uh, was Chalabar. Um, and the leadership that he seemed to be showing. He was coming over and he was getting instructions from Marco. Um, He was jumping to win balls in the box. Uh, He was, like, dragging the team on at times, I thought. Uh, So I thought he was wonderful, but I also thought the partnership with Dukure was great. They both played individually, but extra points for the partnership that they've got going in the middle there. That was absolutely sensational. I think it was hard because, you know, you say cleverly went to... 
to right back. Uh, and I sort of think you've got to give him extra points because he was playing in a position he doesn't normally play, but he still did a pretty good job. I remember Jason was uh, was here early, he was sat behind me, he says, you watch Cuton swap Knockhart over to the right side. Uh, he didn't, um, which is, uh, might, might have been a good thing. But I, th- I also asked Jason who his, his man of the match was, and I, I agreed with him, Cabricelli. You know, he was... You know, you could really see what, as a centre-back, his reading of the game was really strong, and and he's a footballer. He is. I mean, he did well. Prodel did well, and alongside him, I think. I guess what today showed is we haven't got any passengers. There's no luxury player. When you're down to ten men for seventy minutes, you can't afford players who don't track back, and and the players who who provide the spark. You know, the 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 Chalabars, the Decores, and um, and uh, Richarlison as well. They they put they put a shift in. You know, and and Firmenia was up and down. Cleverly, it's what you expect from him. I think, I think, yeah, Cabaselli did, did a good job. There's obviously a vacancy in our defence. Um, it's probably, well, it's going to be a vacancy now for three games for Britos. Um, but it's, it's, it's probably the position that, that needs strengthening. We, uh, you know, we could probably muster on with Gomez for another year. We've strengthened our midfield massively, which needed to be fixed. I mean, the full-back positions is slightly worrying. There's obviously something in the... I think there's like, when they when they relayed the pitch, if they kind of disturb some ancient burial ground, because <laughs> our left-backs seem to go bonkers and our right-backs can't stay fit. You know, Jan Matt made a biscuit at right-back, Cathcart comes off straight away, and the left-backs kind of just go mad. So that needs fixing. But, yeah, Cabaselli did great. Um, it's a chance for him. He needs to take it. Yeah, and I think that's what I like. That's what it is, Jordy. I think he, he was given a chance... And he did take it today. Um, I'm not saying... Well, he probably will start the next game. Um, but there's a bit of time off between now and then. Let's Before we move on from this game and, and get excited about what's going to happen next in September, what about the... Can I call it, Ollie, the worst Watford tackle I've ever seen at Vicarage Road? Well, when I, when I saw it, I said to my son, that's probably the worst tackle I've seen since the 1970s, <laughs> um, which is before you guys were born. And I, I'm... I, I don't even remember Robbo doing anything like that. Um, we're probably going all the way back to Duncan Chopper Wellborn. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't even a tackle, it was an assault. Yeah. You know, much as I wanted to hug all of the players coming off the pitch, I, I, it was just a despicable challenge from Britos. He's going to get a free match ban. He's going to get a fine from the club, and he'll probably get a fine from the Civil Aviation Authority for not <laughs> registering a flight plan, because, I mean, he, he jumped. You could see what he was doing, and he thought... Mm. It's almost like someone had hacked FIFA and incorporated some Street Fighter 2 moves from like the early 90s. <laughs> where he just lunged into him and he thought, what? why are you doing that? And, and you could, But you could see, like, you know, Knockhart's quicker than him, right? And you could see he was going to have to have a, a, a hard foot race with him. But you kind of think, well, just keep going the foot race, cause him some issue and, you know, hold him up a little bit. He's not going to, he wasn't going to completely skin him alive. He's not that slow, Britos. But it was, you know... Went straight for him, and uh, thank, you know, thanks to Twitter, seeing the replay of it, it, there's just no way you could ever even... I mean, the, the atmosphere was amazing when it happened. Every single Watt fan knew that was bad, and there were boos as he, as he went off. I wasn't here in the week, but I saw the Holobas second booking. Uh, and you could say, well, he stopped a counter-attack when we were still in with a chance of the game. It was a silly thing to do. He miskicked it, whatever. He was obviously angry. It was, it was a split-second decision, and he got slated for it. So God knows what's going to happen to Britos because, it, like you say, there was no it, let 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 Knockhart run down. He's on the right wing. He's going to have to cut in his left foot. We have got a Premier League defence ready to deal with him. It's not like you're letting Messi cut in from the right wing, you know, it, or, or Robin or someone like that. It's Knockhart. I'm, I'm, 
I, I tweeted, I think, you know, maybe knockouts Nostradamus, in, you know, and he anticipated Britos' challenge uh, four years ago. And that's why he went down with Cassetti, because, I mean, I, can't, I, don't, I don't know what Britos was thinking. I don't think Britos knows what he was thinking. And um, it may have been the end of his Watford career, because, I mean, if, if Silva's like, I can't rely on this guy, it's good night. Is there, are we missing anyone out, Ollie? Should we, should we, is there anyone we should make sure they get uh, get their props for, for the game tonight? Uh, also, Kiko. Uh, so he started at right back, went to left back, like he was playing in both positions. Perhaps he can. He was so good. He can solve our left back and right back positions uh, in one go by himself. Uh, he was fantastic. Um, just you know, another guy I wanted to hug. It was it was just absolute stalwart performance but the good thing is we know that uh, the injuries that we've had so far uh, Holobas will be back Britos won't be for uh, until the, at least at least the end of September but we've got these players coming back and like you said you wanted to hug that team Ollie but actually it, with those injuries that we've had that are coming back that's going to be a great place to be come the uh, Southampton away game uh, can't wait I mean if Pereira's back um, and I like the look of, uh, is it Carrillo we say, or can we just say Carrillo? Carrillo. Carrillo. Um, I like the look of him, that, that burst of pace that he had uh, right at the end. Um, we've got him on the right, Richarlison on the left, Pereira in the middle. Wow, that's going to be some watch, that is. Carrillo definitely hadn't played with him enough. He wasn't closing down as much as, as, as the others that we've seen this year. And he did sort of, I felt, wander around a little bit and he wasn't quite sure how to get himself into this game, which is understandable in many ways because you're down to 10 men and you're, you, know, you, you have to know what you're doing as a team to, to do it. Um, Geordie, are you excited about the upcoming games? I'm always excited. Is it <laughs> really excited? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, um, you can tell in my voice. Uh, yes, no, absolutely. I think, I think we've made a good start to the season. Um, would have been nice to pick up an extra couple of points just because... When you look at the, the fixtures, these are the games that you say, I know that we complain, people say, oh, Watford, you expect them to go down and don't give us credit, but newly promoted side, you expect us to, or you want, you, you want us to win. So it's a shame, but again, against Bournemouth, you maybe would have taken a draw, so it all balances out. So yeah, I think, I think uh, it's a chance for Marco to kind of sit down, watch him train, get him, get him focused on, what, on, on the next challenge, and, and maybe it's still time for a couple of ins and outs. It will be interesting to see what happens in the last few days. Three days were left, six days of the window. The Thursday it closes. About days left. Um, uh, and there's, uh, the the, the most strongest room we think we've got so far is uh, is uh, Kieran Gibbs coming in for only five million uh, from Arsenal, uh, but that's not done on personal terms yet, I believe. A fullback called Gibbs yeah. coming to the club. Will he stay as long though? What's not to like? <laughs> A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Uh, we haven't heard from him this season. We've got to, we've got to hear his, his views uh, on the things that have been happening this week at Watford. Mike's surname is Parkin. He's a son called Arlo. And this is the return of Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome, for the first time this season, to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. How are you? Good. Now, Arlo, you might remember last year Watford got found out for doing something a little bit naughty. They gave a fake letter to the Football League and they they got found out. This week we found out how much they've been fined. How much do you think that Watford should have been fined? You know, if your punishment is you have to sit on the naughty step or sit on the stairs or you go without your um, your iPod or something. Yeah. If you get fined, the yeah. punishment is you have to pay money. So Watford have to pay the league money. How much do you think they should have to pay as their punishment? Nine thousand pounds. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Do you know how much they actually got fined? 
over four million pounds. What do you think of that? Very stupid. I think Gino Pozzo would agree. Now, secondly, we've got another question for you today because it's the first time we've been on this season. We thought we'd ask you two questions. The second question, Arlo, is do you know anyone called Andre and are they good at football? No, but I think they might be good at football. Well, you think the name Andre is, is something attached to people who'd be, who'd be good at football? Yeah. Arlo, it's been brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye-bye. Time Machine back to Friday night. I'm now joined by Mike. You all right? I'm not too bad, John. Thank you very much. Uh, still in your work clothes? Uh, hard day at work? Is everything all right? It's been, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a tough week, you know. You know how it is, the old nine to five, the daily grind. Uh, get home, get the kids to bed. Now I find that Bristol City are on the TV. They're on Sky Sports playing in front of us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, quite frankly, I could. Uh, it's Friday night, I could do with a beer. Funny you should say that. Uh we have got a bit of an, an offer for you. Now, we've never done any uh, adverts from, from the recurrent, um, and we want to make sure if we did something like this that you would definitely benefit from it. So we've teamed up uh, with, a, uh, with a beer club called Beer 52, uh, and they're all about discovering uh, sp- the best of the small breweries that are out there at the moment. Uh, you can get an expert selected case of different styles of beer delivered to your home every month from a light pale ale to a dark rich stout. That doesn't Both. help me. It doesn't help me right now, though, does it? <laughs> I need my beer now, John. Now, you are listening to From the Recruit End, and uh, you can get a discount on your first case. So we, why not you give it a whirl? But why not give it a whirl? Uh, you get eight craft beers by just paying five ninety five delivery. That's eight beers for just five ninety five, uh, and that's instead of the normal twenty four pounds. All you have to do is remember this uh, promotional code. It's Rookery. The promotional code again, Mike is Rookery R double O K E R Y. And all you have to do is go to beer fifty two dot com. As we say, it's not. Uh, we we didn't want to do any adverts and sell things to you too much, uh, but this is something where you're going to benefit from it, and so will we. We get a bit of money for this, but it helps us pay for the things that we have to pay for uh, to keep from the rookery end going. So that's eight unique beers sent straight to you ju- for just £5.95. Uh, go to beer52.com and click on promotional code and use the code rookery. And do let us know. Let us know what your experience is like. Let us know what your favourite beer is. And let us know, because, you know, this, like John said, it's the first time we've done this. Let us know what your experience is like with Beer 52. Um, but hopefully they'll send you some uh, some beers you like. Um, and like John says, it helps us out a little bit. So if you're thirsty, go for it. And uh, when you open that first tasty beer, know that you'll be helping out your favourite Watford Football Club podcast. From the rookery end... To Mike, uh, not uh, one of those uh, moments as uh, Watford fans where the the, the news in Watford, um, uh, one of those moments where there's there's news about Watford uh, in the in the press, but it's not the best news. Uh, finally came through after our uh, telling off uh, a year ago, well, finding out a year ago mm. that Watford had been caught for a fraudulent letter from HSBC uh, to the Football League to say, yeah, we've got enough money, uh, so Gino could buy Watford. Uh, it turned out that that letter was fake, yeah. uh, and oh, what's his name now? Raphael Riva. Raphael Riva, the then chairman, uh, had f- made this fraudulent letter sent to the EFL, and they had, uh, and then he. That's why he was removed as chairman a year ago, and now Scott Duxbury is our chief executive and chairman. And the club are brilliant at that point. They said, "Yeah, hands up," and it's taken a while for all of investigations, and we've been fined four point three million pounds. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a big amount of money. Um, I mean, to be perfectly frank, when the news we're talking on Friday, when the news came through last night, I had completely, completely forgotten about it. Absolutely, so yeah. It was a, a bit a, a bit of a bolt out of the blue, and my initial reaction when it comes to Watford, like, like most football fans, is to go into defensive mode. So I was straight onto Twitter to see what the uh, see what the Twitter arty, see what the opposition fans were saying about Watford, and and uh, as expected, there was the, all the uh, the accusations, a lot coming from our friends from down on the south coast. Um, so, but having given some thought to it over the last sort of twenty four hours, uh, as it is now, I mean the first. The first feeling is a bit embarrassed, really, and a bit ashamed that that Watford have found themselves in this in this um, situation and having these headlines um, about them. I hate stuff like this about my my football club. Um, I think Watford. We all think that Watford's special. I think we all agree it's special. And I think, despite being into the, in the Premier League and then the Pots have taken over, I think we've managed to maintain that. People still feel about Watford the the way they always have and just to have these sort of things hanging over us and these stories these sort of you know bad tales of underhand tactics it just it doesn't feel right and I don't don't like it at all uh, and I'm sure that everyone at Watford shares my belief I don't I'm not for one minute suggesting that they were trying to get away with anything um, I don't think it's as underhand as other supporters will will try and make out um, but ultimately, it sort of reminds you how much you care about your club, doesn't it? Because it sort of you feel you take it quite personally. I took it took it quite personally, and have been sort of trying to think today about how I could best articulate a, a defence against it. Um, um, but ultimately, realised that what for a big club, they don't need me to look after them. And, uh, <laughs> I decided not to, to weigh in on the matter. So yeah, it was disappointing. Um, disappointing that we got ourselves in that. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. Bit disappointed that whoever was involved managed to engineer a situation where where this was the outcome um i mean but then taking it on a step if you look at the actual situation um when the letter was discovered to be fraudulent it was more than evident that the funds had been in place because Watford had, had made incredible strides in terms of where they were when the takeover actually happened to uh, the year, the couple of years after, was when when the letter was was found to be fraudulent. So there was absolutely no question that the money was in place. There was absolutely no question that that Gino Pozzo was right and proper and would, and would pass the appropriate test. So from that from that respect, I think that's why everyone's been quite calm about it, if you like, because anyone taking anything more than a couple of minutes to to research the situation would realise that basically it was part of the fit and proper person's test it was a um um uh, what's the what's the phrase a um due diligence piece of work from the from the EFL and they need to make sure the person taking over has got enough money in their bank account you know Gino Pozzo he had um the letter was was wonky um because me the the, the thing that you know like you say you'd almost forgotten about it um, and I think the reason you forgot about it is that it was dealt with swiftly and very well by uh, the club uh, when that sort of news came out. And like I say, we'd completely forgotten about it. And, and the, the fine could have been much, much greater, but because of the corporation uh, and everything that the, the investigation had sort of seen uh, in the, at the club, they knew that actually this was, this was all done. It was, the club was, was, was acting incredibly well. Uh, they just happened to have done this this thing wrong. Um, the one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to sort of figure out is that I, when you say that amount of money, four point three million, you go, 
why is it that much? Why is it not a grand? Why is it not 50p? Why is it not? I don't, I don't know why. So, Well, it could have been 6 million as well, of course. I think yeah. the actual fine was 6 million and it was reduced to that the, the four figure because of the, the cooperation from the football club. And I think you're right. They do need um, plaudits for, for they obviously fronted up straight away, mm. nipped it in the bud and from a communications point of view and were, were very, very solid and very, mm. very, um, very upfront. And I think the, the club deserves praise for that. But yeah, go on. The, so looking at other ones like were we hard done by i suppose what i wanted to make sure where we were you know are we seen like the worst club to have the big fire no by no no way um the the one thing the only president i said in the, it was a telegraph article um in english football was a filing of a fraudulent document was uh oh there is no president in professional english football of filing a fraudulent document um although chesterfield were docked nine points in 2001 for financial irregularities including falsely gate receipts and giving players two contracts so not running your business properly the only other fine that sort of come out of the financial fair play where uh, QPR were given uh, 8 million uh, for their spending too much and Bournemouth 7.6 million I think I think the Chesterfield one is probably the one that on the face of it seems closest because it's about documents and mm. the the misrepresentation, if you like. But then I think you see on Twitter a lot of people asking that, right, isn't it fraud? Isn't what Watford are doing is fraud? And I understand that question, but I don't think it is because... We're not getting any money for it. We're not doing something fake to get money out of anybody. Yeah, we weren't trying it? to circumnavigate. We weren't trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. The money was there. The letter wasn't there. That was all it was. It was like a, uh, a clerical hoop that we didn't go through and uh, you know I understand the severity of it and the seriousness of it I'm not trying to downplay it but the Chesterfield one falsifying gate receipts that's basically saying x amount of money came in when actually y amount of money came in and that's the, you know the the you're obviously trying to say you've got a different amount of money than you actually have for for whatever reason that that you might yeah. want to do that so that's 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 very very different what I do understand from other supporters is the frustration because the there is such a wide range of punishments that the league seem to have dished out over the years. We've talked about QPR there. Um, Bournemouth got into trouble. Um, Leeds obviously very famously have have been treated, um, have found themselves in difficulty. Our old friends up the M1, Luton, of course, have had their own run-ins with the, um, with the FA. So I think um, I can understand why supporters start would jump on something like this. A, because you always like to see another club up against it and in trouble and having done something naughty. Um, but B, because there's just such, there's such a wide range of punishments that have gone on. Um, and I guess there's a bit of head scratching as to why Watford have, have found themselves not being punished. And the easy thing for everyone to say is, well, four million means nothing to a Premier League club. Well, I disagree with that. Yeah. Four million quid is four million quid. I don't care who you are. Um, so it's a massive fine. Um, completely forgot about it. So we're, we're shocked <laughs> by it. Um, but it seems like it was a fine and not, not points deduction. I know we're not in the in the Football League. It could have been almost... Uh, uh, Point deduction further down the line if we, if we had down, uh, we go back yeah. down again or, or something like that. So yeah, do you get a feeling that we actually got away with it a little bit? Not got away with it, but we got off lightly. Let's say I don't actually. Um, so that's I, what Dougie Brimstone. Uh, Brim- Dougie Brimstone. Yeah, hi Brimstone's- Dougie, if you're listening. Um, um, and I understand exactly where he's coming from because I do think that if we were in if we were in the football league, if we were currently under the jurisdiction of the EFL, they'd find themselves. Um, in a sticky situation for the reasons I've just mentioned. They've dealt severely with so many other clubs and points deductions have been tabled against so many other clubs for a variety of different um, a variety of different reasons. I do think that the the Football League perhaps felt that 
Watford led them a little bit of a merry dance when the Pozzos originally took over with the with the whole loan business. As we know, as Watford supporters, there was absolutely no rules broken. There was no, nothing untoward went on. Um, but I do feel like they fit, they feel under the spotlight when it comes to Watford. So, I mean, your question's a really good one. What if there's no precedent for for this sort of thing? How do you arrive? Where's the scale? Where's the where's the chart that tells you how much you should be fined for this this particular thing? Um, so I think the fine is enormous. I think, mm. you know, in, in, in any shape or form, four million quid, it, which could have been six million quid, is an absolutely staggering amount of money for for a fine. So I don't think we've got off lightly in that respect. What I do think is if we were in that division, if we're in the championship or, league, God forbid, League One, League Two, I think they would the, the Football League would have found it very difficult not to have um, levelled some sort of possibly a transfer embargo points yeah um something like that so in that respect yeah i think if we were in the championship i think it might have been a different story so i think it's probably worked out best for both parties in as much as the efl can can levy a massive fine against us they get they get money for not a not a lot and they're happy that no real rules have been broken in terms of um fit and proper per- person because when you know, i mentioned leeds and it did feel like Chilino yeah. wasn't necessarily the the best person to be in charge of a football club. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but with this one, it's fairly apparent that the the, the Gino Pozzo has the best interest of the club at heart. So I think it's worked out probably as well as we could have hoped for both parties. The EFL get their money; they seem to have been strict with with Watford for for a serious um, a serious infringement, um, whereas Watford get to pay the money forget about it and uh, and hopefully we'll keep our noses clean from now on in still to come uh, we say goodbye to a Watford player uh, plus our answers to your questions that you've been giving to us over social media. Before the game against Brighton, I covered two men. Firstly, the fanzine Golden Pages into its third season, and I decided to have a catch up with editor David Anderson uh, to find out about what's in the latest edition. Issue 12 of Golden Pages. What, David, can we expect uh, in, in this edition? Well, we've got your column is back yes, from the sure. Rookery End column, of course. Uh, we've also got Andy from uh, the Hornet's Nest is doing his Away Day Diaries, which is a feature we're bringing back by popular demand. Uh, we're looking at the W18 Fans Channel, which is the new YouTube channel. And also Tom Wicks has got an introduction to the 1881 movement, which is very interesting. Plus a load of other features, some funny, some serious, bits and bobs, really. If you could, if you could sum up the, the, the fans in three words, what, what three words would you use? Independent, I think that's important because we're not the programme, we don't have to be biased. Hopefully a little bit satirical uh, because I think you need a bit of humour. And also beautiful because Tom Bennett's helped us find the artists who we use for the covers and they've been fantastic. And this one we've got new Marco Silver on the cover and yeah, we take a bit of pride in what it looks like as well. So I'd say yeah, independent, satirical and beautiful yeah, it's a good mix of uh, it's, 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 fans have, to have good opinions but they're not stupid opinions which I sort of I, yeah. I, I like about it I think so right so if I want to copy of this you know, this is podcast and come out after the yes. game where can I get hold of a copy uh, you can pick one up outside any match day when we've released a new issue for £2 or you can buy a subscription online which gets you all five issues for £10 plus I think it's £5 postage and package and you'll get it 
before the game, hopefully, uh, so you'll be the first one to see it. That's the easiest way to do it, and it helps us out as well. So we, we do a, a column every every edition, every yep. issue. Um, what uh, if, though, there's, a, there's always lots of blogs out there starting up. If I want to get involved with Golden Pages, what's the best thing for me to do? You can email us at watfordfanzine at gmail.com uh, or visit our website, which is goldenpagesfanzine.com. Uh, that's the easiest way, and you can sign up to our contributor list, which we'll be sending out emails asking what we want and when we want it. So that would be the best way. And what is the one thing you're excited about writing about in the future issues of this season? The FA Cup final this year. It's, it's going to be fantastic, especially when we win it. <laughs> and as what fans, you probably know about the Trust. Maybe we don't know a lot about it, uh, but the Trust is in its 25th year, and uh, they're doing a, a few things this and they do a few things to celebrate uh, 25 years, and, and and not just that 25 years of the of the trust, but also uh, the, everything that sort of happened in the history of Watford with with what is with what turned into with all the work that turned into the trust uh, 25 years in, in 1992. Uh, and I spoke to uh, David uh, Derek Williams, who's part of the celebration team. Uh, particularly, he's after your memorabilia. So I spoke to him before the Brighton game. We're, we're celebrating 25 years of the trust. I've seen it around, but if I didn't know what the trust was, what is the, the trust all about? Well, the trust is the charitable section of the club, the arm of the club. Uh, it does an incredible amount of varied work, which I think most fans probably don't understand. Yeah. What we're trying to do through this 25th anniversary is increase the awareness of the diverse things that we do. So we do shape-up programmes for men's health, uh, extra time for over 60s, social inclusion, encouraging people, helping people back into work, as well as the traditional football type coaching and school holiday courses there's a real diverse range that uh, it's a real shame that people don't know yeah. what we do and yeah. that's what we're trying to get across and it's the 25th anniversary of it uh, and what kind of things is, uh, is going to be happening over this uh, year of celebration I'm working on the project where we received a grant from the Heritage Lottery Fund and from that grant we're producing a commemorative book which will cover not only the 25 years back to 1992, John McDermott and Jilly Gilligan, but we're also going to include all of the Graham Taylor era as well, uh, because that's key. We can't, you know, it's such an important facet, and Anne Swansom. So the book will cover the whole range, all the way through from uh, late, late 70s, early 80s, up until the current day. We're also uh, going to do an exhibition at Watford Museum, and that's where we're appealing for fans to donate uh, trust items of memorabilia and then on top of that we'll be doing a new interactive website so if people can't get the book or they can't go to the museum then everything's documented historically and it'll always be there for people to refer to. Because the trust you know, as a name you say it's only 25 years old but the, it, it all stems from what Graham did in terms of it being a family club um, and the sort of supporting the local community. Uh, are there any sort of, can you give an example of an, uh, a bit of memorabilia you People might, you know, I, I've got a box at home. I've got, to, I've got to get out of the shed this weekend to look through it and find some bits. What sort of things are you, are you sort of looking for? Yeah, what we're really after, things like Junior Hornet badges, Junior Hornet certificates. Uh, if you went on a coaching course and you met a player and you had your photo with a, with a signature, all of those kind of things, any, anything trust-related that we can either put into the museum exhibition or take photos of and put into the book. And, again, if you're... I understand these things are precious to people, so if you don't want to loan it for the museum, we'll come along, we'll take a photo and you know, use it in that sense. But yeah, 
what I'm asking is, could people just dig through yeah. those boxes, go up in the loft? And I've had so many people saying, oh, yeah, we've got stuff up in the loft. One guy went on a course and uh, he actually went to Legoland and represented the trust and was coached by Zidane and got, <laughs> and got a Legoland T-shirt that Zidane signed. And we said, well, can you get it for us? But it's in the loft. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so the big appeal is, could, could you please just do us a favour, make that extra effort and uh, find the stuff in the loft for us? Uh, if, I, if I find something, uh, what, do I, what do I do? How do I get it to you? You can contact us uh, via the Trust website, uh, which is, if you, look on, if you look on the main Watford website, we're linked. Just email us. We'll then follow up with you and come out and uh, see you. One, one really good thing, the book, just, just to make people aware, at the moment, we've done so much research on it through old programmes, press cuttings, and we've interviewed about 50 different people now, players, people involved in the trust, people that have moved on in the trust, uh, Gordon Taylor, to get, to get that opinion. But we're, the proudest thing is we couldn't find Anne Swanson, but we finally tracked oh, her down. And it's a, lady. Yeah, fan, a fantastic lady and a great story as well, because one of the volunteers that's helping us is an amateur genealogist, and he worked out that she'd moved from Edgware to somewhere in Cambridge. He sent a letter to the parish council, said, look, I know you shouldn't do this, but could you pass it on? They did, and then contacted me. And then I said, oh, all this trouble, and we've had to find you. She said, oh, well, I don't know why, you could have just asked Luther. <laughs> so, no, she was a lady, a very important lady to my, uh, the beginning of my fat time as a, as a Watford fan. Yeah, and I think we'll hear that again uh, from lots of people, all the, all the presents they gave out on the family terrace and the uh, you know, Elton's Easter egg uh, donation. Yeah, it's things like that that Anne really, with Graham, was just at the forefront of everything. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Thank you to everybody who's involved with our, our fantasy league. Uh, it's uh, if you go to Premier League fantasy league, this is if you go and uh, and register a team. There is a league called From the Rookery End, imaginatively titled. Yeah, with nothing. In uh, and uh, we've got a big shout out after two weeks. Uh, those horn dogs, Johnny Ferris. Uh, he's uh, he's top of the league uh, in second place. Will sail with Hakuna Juan Mata. Yeah, very good. And uh, White Warsaw uh, in third place is Darak Makajowski. They're, they're all up there. Uh, it's fairly close, uh, except me. I am currently out of 186. I am 181. Nice. That's, 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 that's old school Watford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so what a, we're going to yeah. see over the next... Keeping that, it real, am I? the coming months, you're just going to... Move up the uh, up the um, up the league table slowly, very, very ending slowly. in the European spots. But yeah, how many? One hundred eighty-six would be great to get up to two hundred, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think you can still join. Yeah, uh, you can. And the points get added on. I think they get added on the week after. So drop us a tweet if you want the code. But um, they're all the, all the details are out there on the internet somewhere or another. But uh, yeah, well done to those guys. Top three. One man we cannot sadly, very very sadly, can't have in our fantasy league uh, this year is Valon Barami. Uh, it was sort of obvious he was going to go Mike because he wasn't given a squad number yep. and he was particularly uh, haggard uh, I think by the end of, of last season um, <laughs> yeah. and he's one of those players that not, people don't not like him but he sort of just goes under the radar a little bit and some people love him or people go I don't, don't know anything about him Yeah I was very surprised how much um, Valon Barami d- divided opinion actually because for for me I think he's one of the most important, important signings that, that Watford had in those first two years in the Premier League, which where the focus is very much on establishing ourselves in the Premier League, staying in the division, he I thought he was absolutely 
absolutely vital. I thought he got better and better as as time went on. I know he played sort of less and less, but I thought he he worked hard. He was tenacious. Um, he was into that. He snapped into the tackle. He never let anyone settle. Um, he was all action. He was tough. I thought he was hugely, hugely important. He's the you know the classic water carrier. Uh, midfielder, someone that does all the hard yards, so the likes of Etienne Capu can do, can do what they uh, do. No, you interesting you say that. Our friend uh, David Levy, the Undertaker, he sort of said, he said, you know, we need to replace Barami. I think we haven't replaced Barami like for like, but actually we've now got two boys in there with Chalibur and with Decore, yeah. who are both fighting for the ball, closing players down. And so my thought was not, oh, Brahm is brilliant because he freed up Etienne Capu. <laughs> my thought was, just shows you how lazy Etienne Capu was. Because <laughs> imagine if he'd been doing it. That, 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 sorry, but that, that was my first thought. Yeah. Well, any chance for a dig at poor old Caps. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to have a go at him while it's August, uh, while it's still sunny outside, because uh, that's when he does his best work for us, obviously. Yeah. But I think that's uh, kind of what I was getting at. It's important for those first two years when we weren't going to be able to attract, you know... Um, Chalabar and you know cleverly those those kind of guys. So he was just really really important for us. To, two managers who were, were who were knew the importance of the defensive strength and and not letting games get away from us. Um, and I thought um, I thought we saw better performances from um, Barami in the second uh, part of the season under uh, uh, Kike. But what I saw, what I saw last season from um, Barami was an absolute sort of unquestionable commitment uh, because I think he played while injured a number of times. Um, I know Walter Mazzari knew him well from from previous clubs um, and trusted him, and I think he did Walter massive, massive favours last year by playing when not necessarily fully fit. But what I also saw last year from Barami was, and ironically, because he was. You know, a, tough nut when when he arrived he sort of um, had a bit of edge and, and temper to him he would calm other players down when things were going badly last year and the shoulders were, were slumping and people were moaning at the ref you'd actually find Barami going around being the calming influence he's all very much like John Eustace in it, he'd have a little word with the ref and he'd go around and he'd talk to other players and say, look, you can't do that, let's do this instead, calm down, stay focused. Um, and I noticed that a lot from him last year and he, he seemed to have matured. Um, that's probably um, uh, a, bit, a bit disparaging, but he was. It just seemed like a real much more rounded player last year and I think he he was not just what he did on the pitch, but the way he... He, he conducted himself and, and, and communicated with other players. And I think he was a, a real vital component in Watford um, establishing themselves over, over the last two years. Really did a lot, a lot of hard work um, and grew into his role, I think, as well. I was really, really impressed with Barami. And I think absolutely no surprise that he's gone. Um, but, but yeah, sad to see him go. So your questions, uh, we didn't get around to uh, answering one on Tuesday's podcast after Bristol City. Basically, we weren't particularly in the mood, and I'm amazed we actually got a podcast out. Um, we did very well. Uh, uh, first question. Mind you, we can't have a go at Watford for not being in the mood. If we can't be in the mood well, to that's do a podcast, true. can we? Chris, or Chan Cock 674. Uh, his question was, will Deeney be happy to be used as a rotating striker? Simply put, 
No. Absolutely no chance, no. But I think um, we saw that last year. We knew that um, Dini was unhappy with Matsari. We knew that he was unhappy not being in the squad. Uh, sorry, in the team. And I'd be worried if it was anything different. He's a striker. He scores goals. That's what he gets up in the morning to do. So if he's not playing, he's not going to be happy. But there's one way to do that. Train well, force yourself into the side, score loads of goals, make yourself undroppable. The thing is, he want, I think he does want to play with Gray. He wants to play with another... You know, similar player that he had so much success with with Vidra, he wants to sort of try and find that again. You think? Actually, one question from Will H or Pies Pies. That's my good friend Will Will Holman. Hello, uh, Will William. Holman. Uh, why the change of recruitment towards more English players, Potsos or Silver? Should we hold that one for when the uh, transfer window has finally closed? Yeah, but what uh, I would say on that is, I think, and I'll leave it as sort of one liner. I think mm. we're moving back towards. Potso style transfers with those two deals, and I think I think that's a good thing. But yeah, we can elaborate further once, as Jim White will no doubt say a million times, the transfer window slams shut. Russ Barker, play well and draw, or play badly and win. Obviously, <laughs> this is uh, hypothetical and not related to the draw and the win so far encountered. My gut says we do need to play well at this point in the season. I know we've got to win, just win games of football. I know you're going to say that, but because of how bad it was last year it would that Bristol City game when it played badly it was like it all came flooding back and it wasn't the fact that it's only one out of Marco's game so far that bad it was oh it's there again it's not going to go away for me I think a lot of last year's bad will if you like has been wiped away already I think everyone. It's, I think it can be flooding back a little bit. I don't. A think, little bit. I don't think so. I think the summer. Everyone needed the summer. I think there's a definite different feel about the place. You know, like it or not, there is a there is a definite issue with the League Cup. Supporters aren't bothered. Uh, and neither was a, as someone pointed out on social media. Uh, they didn't believe Marco is bothered either. First game he's been out there with a tracksuit on. In fact, it wasn't just wearing a tracksuit. His t-shirt was was tucked out. He wasn't committed. Well, that game. I think he was pretty. I thought he was pretty evidently displeased. I was in the pretty much directly behind him in the Sir Elton John stand. Lovely vantage point for a terrible mm. game. He either had his hands on his hips, shaking his head, or his hands in his pocket. He looked unhappy um, with the performance. He wasn't ranting and raving. He wasn't screaming. To answer Russ's question, I think we're still in a situation where you take a, a, a mixture of the two. I still think that we need to get to 40 points. We, we're on four points at the moment. I'm thinking, well, we're a tenth of the way there. We're a tenth <laughs> yeah, of the way yeah. there. I can't, I can't help it. I still think that's where we're at. Um, and in terms of, I think there's more goodwill towards Watford um, and the squad and the management um, as it as it stands. So I think we'll get away with, there's an understanding that there's a desire to play well, there's a desire to play better football. You can see from the transfers coming in, there's a much more... There's an emphasis on attacking players, players who can do something with the ball, players with pace, um, players that are slightly more inspirational to get things happen. So I think there's just more goodwill. The, we've already got a more an idea of what Marco Silva wants to do with his team than we ever had with, with Matt Sarri. Yeah. The idea was that he was going to be defensive. He couldn't even do that. So, yeah. Uh, two sort of picking up two things you actually mentioned there. One is from Alexander... Um, the Great. <laughs> well, Vernon, considering our start to Premier League season, has our target to avoid relegation changed to top table finish? No. Top not half of the table. Yet. Not, not yet. We have to see what happens between now and October. You know, I think by October we get a really good idea. Once we've played a variety of strength teams, we'll know where we sort of sit and actually can we push on for top half or are we going to keep on battling the entire season 
Um, and if we get past Christmas and get to forty points, then yeah, let's let's push it and let's let's go for that European place. Because let's be honest, we clung on against Liverpool. We do. We got there was lots to like about that performance, but we got away with it, yeah. getting a, getting a point. I think really, we 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 put Bournemouth to the sword, which was great, and then we were lacklustre against against Bristol City. So we've kind of seen everything, and I think we've seen more things to like than than not to like. Mm. But that is it's such a small sample such a small cross-section of of performances and opponents and uh and so on and so forth so i think we are absolutely miles away from readjusting our readjusting our um our targets 40 points stay up let's do it with more style at at this time mm. would be my yeah um goal for the season it's about speed we've got a bit more speed in our team yeah definitely got that in the in the mid- midfield and, and up front but do you think asked tim rose uh, at Rose Ramblings, do you think now younger, quicker centre backs are required to take us to the next level? After seeing Aki and the speed how he keep up with Andre Gray, I'm not quite sure any of our centre backs would keep up with Andre Gray. No, he's a quick lad. He's a yeah. quick lad, and hopefully, hopefully, we see it in in action in the in the coming weeks. What I would say is, and I'll go back to my last question. I think ultimately, when as you move forward as a team and as you progress and you look at Europe and you look at um, being a, a, a side that is permanently challenging for, for silverware, then yes, you have to have footballing centre-backs. You have to have options all over the pitch who can... Remember when we spoke to Marco Cassetti, I asked him naively, oh, how do you feel about making a great tackle? Is that the, is that the nadir? Is that, is that the best thing for a, for, a, for a defender? He goes, no. Starting a move that results in a goal is the is the best possible mm. best possible mm-hmm. feeling, mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're still at a position where our defence need to concentrate, quite frankly, <laughs> on defending and stopping stopping the ball going in at, at that end. So, whilst Tim is absolutely right to point out, ultimately, yeah, if you're going to be a consistently high performing Premier League side who can deal with anything that's that's thrown at you. Then yeah, we need you're going to need those sort of higher quality um, defenders. But as I said on on Tuesday night, I think we're still a long way from getting a defensive unit that uh, Marco Silva, probably Scott and Gino are happy with, and and certainly us as supporters are, are comfortable with. Um, so to think about taking that the, the defensive performance up to a to a level where they're nimble, skillful ball players getting forward at every opportunity is for me that's that's quite a long way off. But yeah, I agree with the with the sentiment. Absolutely, I'm loving this one. This is this is because for this to happen, we would have to have an amazing season. So this is a really positive question. Who will be the first player to move on for thirty million plus after Europa League qualification? Uh, Chalaber, Decore, or Richarlison? Well, I think probably thirty million is probably a, a, a bit of a low estimate um, oh. um, from the from the way things are going. So, Richarlison, Chalaba. Richarlison, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to go this year. Even if he had to have an amazing year, he's still a little bit. He needs to get used to the league a little bit more. So the question is, we qualify for Europa League this year, so yeah. and then who who's going to go? Well, I think if Chalabar's got his call up for England yeah. this week, which is uh, like massive congratulations to him. And I was really, ex- I'm just excited about that. I love to see a Watford player in the um, in the England team. I, I don't like England <laughs> at the moment. Um, I've fallen well and truly out of love with the national team, as I'm sure um, many of our listeners have as well. But just to see him involved is. I sort of piqued my interest again. So well done to Nate. That's absolutely um, fantastic news. Mm. And I think straight away his value as an international. But also an, an in, he's a, now he's an international, and if he plays even more so, if he makes a squad for the World Cup 
uh, in Russia. Plus, he is British, and when you sell a player British to British clubs, yeah. it's always more expensive. So he'd probably be the the one who get the more money. But I think the first one probably going to go is going to be Decore. Three exciting players, though. I mean, mm. great to be great to be talking about those guys, all with different attributes and, and different talents. I think the one of the few positives to come out of Tuesday night was Richarlison didn't shine in terms of the um, putting defenders on their backside the way he did against um, Bournemouth while he was on the pitch. But what I did think he he did quite well, and he showed maturity in not reacting to. I would certainly would stop short of saying they were roughhouse tactics by Bristol City, but they obviously set out to shut him down, and and there were some firm tackles flying in on him. And I thought, oh, is he how's he going to react? You know, youngster South American, um, you know, potentially not used to this. And I thought he he um, he adapted uh, admirably. He didn't manage to sort of have any impact on the game, but I thought that just little little signs like that I think are valuable. So do you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb though and say the person I'm worried. Uh, about losing the most is the manager is the head, is the head coach because I think if he has a good a good season with Watford um, I think we might find um, struggling uh, struggling to hold on to him but uh, it wasn't a question Michael and we're not going to get 30 million for him no. managers don't go for that sort of money well you never yet. know that's what I put on uh, Silver's head okay, that, was, that was from uh, Gary Tennant uh, thank you much for the, the questions that you sort of sent in always send them in at Watford Podcast on Twitter uh, or from the com, or even email you know that crazy old thing that people used to use <laughs> uh, podcast at from the com. Uh, international break lots of Watford players going off to various different places we're probably going to see maybe a few go off forever maybe a few go off on loan uh, and maybe a few more to come in uh, we're going to do a uh, end of window podcast uh, during the international break keep a, uh, an ear out for that we're back then Mike uh, September Looks like Southampton away, Man City at home, Swansea away, and West Brom away. Points to be picked up there, though, isn't there? Swansea, yeah. West Brom, um, Southampton had a had an indifferent start. Um, so yeah, I think the start of the season has been relatively kind to us. Um, we need to need to make hay while the while the sun shines. Um, we're going to head down to St Mary's and hopefully uh, cheer us on to uh, three points. Marco Silva got his first ever away win at Bournemouth in the Premier League so uh, I'm sure he'll, he, now he's got the uh, the taste for it he'll want another one so uh, back down to the south coast he knows how to win down there let's get it done at Saints thank you very much for listening uh, do follow us uh, and get uh, interacting and get involved with the podcast on social media at Watford Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and uh, facebook.com forward slash Watford Podcast on Facebook um, don't forget to give Beer52 a go yep Beer52 uh, use promotional code Rookery and uh, it will uh, it will hopefully you enjoy some lovely beverages you're going to get eight lovely beers you're only paying for postage and you're going to help from the Rookery end keep going much appreciated thank you very much and come on you on <laughs>